chapter 5 God he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him the great switcheroo so to speak Jesus the righteous one us people who failed on the cross he took our unrighteousness and through the resurrection he'll share with us his righteousness on the cross Jesus orchestrated the greatest swap of all time He brought his righteousness, and we bring our brokenness. And because of his work on the cross, Jesus is able to exchange the two. In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to talk about what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then he'll show you how God has already granted you that desire of your heart through the work of Jesus on the cross. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Beauty of Patience. desire have an amazing ability to drive us in some really quite extraordinary ways. I have a good friend of mine who, when he was in high school, he was tipping the scales at about 300 pounds. He played a lineman for his high school team. He was, you know, all state at the time, just being, you know, a tall, huge guy. And after he graduated, he realized, he's like, you know, I kind of care of this. And he decided that what he really wanted to do was to be what I would call super fit, you know? And what this young man did to get from about 300 pounds to about 170 pounds was pretty extreme. And we would talk about what he was doing and why he was doing it. And he said, you know, I've always been the big guy and I'm just kind of tired of being that guy. You know, for each one of us, there's things that we desire that would drive us to do crazy things. I know in my own life, I remember when I got my first upright bass. I mean, I've been playing electric bass and in bands, and I saw a concert with a guy playing an upright bass, and I'm like, man, that dude's the coolest guy in the room because of that big old bass. You know, I was really keen to try and be the coolest guy in the room. So I got myself a bass, and I remember I started playing it. And, you know, like, when you're used to playing even an electric bass, when you get on those big, upright bass strings, I mean, those things are, they're not for the weak of hearts. And I remember I would be jamming with my friends, and literally the first time I ever jammed with my buddies, I had two huge blisters on this finger and one huge one on this finger. And, you know, soon enough, if you've ever played an instrument, if you get blisters on your fingers... You know, uh, most people quit at that point. You know, it's like, I got blisters. But, like, I remember, like, what do you do when you get blisters? And I popped them, all three of them, and I stuck my hand in really hot salt water because I was only one set into the gig. It was three sets. I had one set. And so I'm sitting there in the set break, and then I went out and I played again. You know, and I got more blisters, and I popped those. I played all three sets. There's about two and a half hours of music. And I remember I went home, and I'm like, and my hands, not at this point, they were bloody and cracked. And, you know, I'm like, well, what do you do? I got crazy glue, you know? Start crazy gluing your fingers back together, you know? And I remember the next day after this gig, I went into my lesson with my, I was studying with the principal bassist in the New Jersey Symphony at the time. 
And I walked in and this hand was crazy glued together and this, the left hand was pretty mangled up as well. And I walked in and he's like, um, you can't have a lesson with your hands like that. And I'm like, no, no, I have to have a lesson right now. And he was like, no, this is not okay. I'm like, no, just go. No, I'll be fine. And I'm like, tears rolling down my face as I'm like trying to play this bass. But it was like in the pursuit of trying to get somewhere, it's what you do, right? I mean, think about the things that you desired along life's way. Maybe the things that you're desiring right now and how much those desires drive you. How much it affects the decisions you make and why you make those decisions. And so for each one of us, the thirsts and the hungers that we have are important. And we're going to explore today how, although in Buddhism they would tell you that your desires are what cause you pain, the Bible actually never teaches that. See, the Bible teaches something even more profound. And what is amazing is that what we're going to learn is that our desires are God-given and they're aimed to make our lives beautiful. Isn't that what we're doing in this series? Like, what does a beautiful life look like? What does God see as this is a beautiful faith, a beautiful way to live? And we're going to explore that today. So open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be taking Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And then we're going to be tying it to the fruit of the Spirit of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So we see Matthew 5, 6. And Galatians 5, 22, we're going to be putting them together. Now, what we have is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then we're going to be linking that to the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. So we're all going to say it together as we keep doing. So everyone repeat with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, and the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Now, I know all of you, as we've been putting these together, you've been putting them together in your own time. You've been exploring them, because I keep talking to people, I'm like, man, this study is totally interesting. As we take one of the Beatitudes and we link it to its counterpart in the fruit of the Spirit, how powerfully these things go together. Now, I want you to notice... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, here's what I'm going to say it this way. That you and I need to stay hungry for the right things. You need to stay hungry for the right things. Now, it was so hard for me not to be stay thirsty, my friends. It was like, I, I must have like changed that out like 16 times. But I'm like, finally, I'm like, okay, don't do it. But I'm just confessing that. And if you know the reference, you know the reference. If you don't know the reference, you don't have to go searching for it. But you know what I mean? It's like, but it's, we need to stay hungry for the right things. And I get that because here's the thing. Whatever it is that you desire, that is going to be a driver in your life. Like I talked to you about, you know, my desire to be a musician. But part of also with the desire of my for being a musician was at that point in my life, I was also desiring to party the hardest that I knew how to. Right? And so if you desire like life's a party, I'm going to have the craziest, most wild life. If that is what you desire, that ends up becoming what you pursue. 
right? And so many of us know what it's like to have a, a desire that we're pursuing something that is really destructive, right? So whatever it is that you desire, that is what you end up pursuing. And in our beatitude, Jesus is saying, blessed are those, oh, how happy are those, oh, how fortunate are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, that word righteousness, that is a biblical word that speaks about all things that pertain to what is right. Not only a personal righteousness, but also in the Greek language, the word righteousness and justice are from the same root word. So righteousness is personal, but righteousness as it pervades a society is what we call justice. All things in society working right together. Now, all of us agree that we want society to work together in the best way possible, but many of us fail to see that in order to have societal justice, justice across society, it comes from each individual living rightly before God. So our culture right now is rightfully passionate about justice, but actually doesn't want to look at each individual before a God who is perfectly righteous, saying, I need to live rightly as I am empowered and inspired by the Spirit, and my right living now changes the world so that the world is a more just place. See, you can't have justice in a culture without individual personal righteousness. And the Bible teaches you can't have individual and personal righteousness unless you receive it as a gift from Jesus. So you see how even right now, with our culture's much-needed passion for justice, that again, we want the right things, but we're trying to get at it the wrong way. See, public shaming is not going to bring justice into this world. The thought police, who doesn't allow people to say what they think or feel, is not going to produce justice throughout a culture. Because only righteousness pervades a culture when an individual receives righteousness as a gift from Jesus. And that's really the good news of the gospel of Jesus. See, the gospel is I, you, all of us are unrighteous. Maybe not as bad as we could come up with of ourselves, but we're never as good as we should be. Right? So all of us fail. And Jesus came and he always did those things that pleased his father. He always lived in such a way in perfect accordance with the heart of God and the ways of God. And because of that, Jesus died on a cross in our place. He, the just one for the unjust ones, him being perfect for us who are imperfect. And then because he died in our place, death couldn't hold him because there was no reason for him to be dead. And he was resurrected to new life. And for you and I, as those who have failed, when we place our trust in Jesus... His resurrection becomes our resurrection. We receive his righteousness because he took our unrighteousness upon himself on the cross. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God, he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The great switcheroo, so to speak. Jesus, the righteous one. Us, people who failed On the cross, he took our unrighteousness, and through the resurrection, he'll share with us his righteousness. 
See, this idea of hunger and thirsting, it really, it's a vivid phrase that expresses great desire. And so the key here is that are you staying hungry for the right things? Now, the sons of Korah express this in a really beautiful way in Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. Really powerful. Listen to what they say. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That idea of panting for the Lord. Again, it's a great very vivid expression of a desire. My friends, what do you hunger for? What is it that you really want in life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you going through the day other than caffeine? Are you staying hungry, cultivating that holy desire for the things of God? Know what I've learned in my life? If I am not intentional about cultivating a hunger for God, I will begin to cultivate hunger for other things. Because there's a million things to get involved in, in a world of tremendous opportunity. And what I am constantly learning is that I need to keep feeding a holy hunger for the things of God. Because if I don't, I will develop other appetites. And I think all of us understand that, don't we? That's also why the Bible is so clear about we, us making sure that we do not awaken certain appetites before their time. There's some appetites that should never be awakened, but our culture offers it. And when we stay hungry for the right things, you realize that whatever you say yes to, you say no to something else, right? Whatever you say no to, you open up the opportunity to say yes to something else. For many of us right now, we have said yes to desires and appetites that actually cause us not to be able to experience all that Jesus is for us. Because we've awakened an appetite that now drives our lives that actually drives us away from the Lord. And we have to be very, very careful. Because just because our culture allows certain things to be legal or permissible doesn't mean that they are going to bring out the most beautiful parts of our lives. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. But if you awaken the passions and lusts through pornography, it will drive you away from being able to experience who Jesus is. Is it legal in our culture? Sure. Is it spiritually perilous? Absolutely. In the most egregious ways. See, if you're outside of the bounds of marriage, the covenant of marriage, if you awaken the intimacy between a man and a woman, right? That awakening of that desire, God doesn't think that the desire is wrong. It's just not functioning within the authority of Jesus. And when outside of the covenant of marriage, you awaken those desires, it actually deadens your senses to the relationship that God wants to have with you. And then what's amazing is that when you get married, you make that covenant, now all of a sudden you get to experience all those desires under the authority of Jesus as an act of worship. So you have to ask yourself, are you awakening desires that actually you're getting hungry for the wrong things? I should probably mention in our culture where marijuana is legal, it's becoming common. The people of God were never meant to be common. 
You were never meant to be just like everybody else. Sure, it's legal. But it, does that draw you closer to Jesus? It can't. Because once you're under the influence of a foreign substance other than the Holy Spirit, your desires are drawing you away. And many of us are know what that's like. And some of you right now are experiencing it. Some of you right now are in that place where you know when I'm saying that, it's not judgment on my part. I'm just telling you what's actually going on in your heart right now. You have awakened some desires and those, it's not for the right things. And once you have that desire, now that that desire, every single day it shows up. And because whatever we desire, we seek to fulfill, we find ourselves little by slow, sometimes with great giant leaps, stepping away from the one thing that will truly Give us what we want. Why? Because next we realize that your desires lead to fulfillment. Your desires lead to fulfillment. Like think about this beatitude that we have here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. That word filled also means they shall be satisfied. So we have this reality that whatever it is that you desire for, you are going to seek after its fulfillment. But... Don't miss that in this beatitude. When we stay hungry for the right things, God promises to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. See, that's the thing. If your desires are for fleshly things, what the Bible calls carnal things, or temporary earthly things, you will seek to satisfy that desire. But you ever notice that when your thirsts and hungers are for things that are not the right things, you get it, but you never really get it. Right? It's the elusive. There's always the next step. There's always the next thing. It's like you're grasping at the wind. Isn't it true? Like where you get it, you're like, I just want to reach this level of income. And then you reach that level. But guess what? It's not enough, right? Because once you get there, you're like, well, there's the next step. There's the next. You try to get your business to a certain point and you get it there. You're like, now I'm there. And you're like, oh no, it's, there's the next step to take. And you're constantly grasping and life becomes a life of striving. But what's amazing is, is the things of the world, the things of the flesh, the things that are temporary, you can grasp them, but they never truly satisfy. But when you hunger and thirst for the righteousness that comes from Jesus, then it says you will be filled, not you might be if you're lucky. God promises to satisfy the deepest longings of our souls in Christ. And I think that that's an amazing thing. Have you found your deepest longings satisfied by Jesus? Now, here's the thing. When I say something like that, for some of you who are already followers of Jesus, you say to yourself, actually, I haven't found Jesus to give me all the satisfaction that I desire. And listen, if you're in that place, that's a great piece of self-reflection and awareness. Because what that means is God wants to do a deeper work in you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you haven't found that peace that comes from knowing God, grabbing hold of your life, if you find yourself still striving around, what it means is that God is still doing a work of sanctification in your life. And in a lot of ways, all of us are still on that path, aren't we? We're constantly seeing how Jesus satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. But then I realize that there's some of you who are hearing this right now. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And your life has been in a continual stream of striving for this and achieving or not achieving and not feeling satisfied, not being satisfied. As I always joke, that great English theologian, Mick Jagger, 
said, what? I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, Mick had everything a guy could want. Fame, fortune, beautiful people all around. He had a great little dance. I mean, I wish I had my own little dance like Mick, you know. But the reason he could say, I can't get no satisfaction is because even though you can have everything, if it doesn't truly satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, you don't really have everything. And it's amazing, like we hear these folks who have been super successful and they'll say something like, you know, it's just not enough. And then for people who aren't like uber successful, like I can't believe they would be so crazy to think that way. But you think these things are going to satisfy, but they don't. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God promises that Jesus is more than enough. And our culture strives to tell us that we always need to buy more, have more, be more. And we're all on that hamster wheel of trying to get the next thing. And God says, look, I have everything you need in my son. My son will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And then you will see all those things for what they really are, which are temporary, maybe a comfort, but not essential, not worth driving your whole life towards so that you hold all the temporary things of life in open hands, not as essential, but as window dressing to a deeper, more profound, abundant life that has nothing to do with the things that you think you lack, because when you have Christ, you have everything. Now, listen, brothers and sisters, if you're staying hungry for the right things, the right things is that we all walk out self-sacrificial living. And one of the ways that we live self-sacrificially in love is by serving one another. Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom is the servant of all. Unfortunately for many of us, we have never, even though we want to, we've never taken the step to say, God, you say the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all and left up to my own devices and our culture. I'm going to think that everything in life lives to serve me. So I'm going to devote time and energy to serve others. I'm going to get out of my own head and I'm going to go and help other people. I'm here to tell you, if you are not serving people, you will never grow in the way that you want to. Because you have to work out the reality of what it means to be in the kingdom in real time where you live. Listen, we say here that because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith fully engaged. You know why we say fully engaged? Because there's no spare parts in the body of Christ. All of us were recreated in Christ to play an essential function in the body. And if you're here today and you have not yet taking that step. I just want to tell you this. As your brother, as one of your pastors, just take a step of faith. Listen, we all need to find the sweet spot of who God made us to be. And I promise you, if you do, living self-sacrificially is hard. You know why? Because you really want everyone to sacrifice for you. We're all selfish, right? But when you take that step, all of a sudden you'll start seeing God grow you in all different ways. Jesus is How much do your desires drive you? In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed you that your desires are God-given and aim to make your life beautiful. But you have to keep yourself hungry for the right things. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Pursue everything that pertains to righteousness and justice in your life and in society. What are you hungry for today? Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the urgency of keeping a holy hunger for the things of God. When you don't keep that hunger, you will inevitably develop appetites for other things. Next time, Pastor Daniel will lead you to evaluate your own life and make some changes. What have you said yes to that caused you to miss all that Jesus is for you? Will you turn your desires back toward Him? There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Beautiful. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.